everybody, welcome and welcome back to B&B Anime for the first episode of 2024. Yeah, hi, welcome. We, it's been so long. It's been, it's been a long time for us, but not that long for you guys. Yeah, no, no, you, you guys were covered. My, my inability yeah. to keep a consistent upload schedule due to issues is great for y'all. Way too long for us in between episodes, but great for everybody, though. Yeah, we've had, both of us have had a time. Health has been something, and uh, the holiday season is holidaying. Well, did holiday. Yeah, so, but you know what? We're back, and I'm very, very happy to be back. Not, not too happy about today's topic, but it's, it's fine, well. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I do just want to also apologize for my awful lighting right now. My That light is broken, so I'm just working with the one overhead light, which is the most flattering lighting ever directly at overhead lighting. It's you known for it. You know what? I got you. Hang on. How's that? Oh, great. Thanks. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang I'll just on, blind focus. myself with my phone's flashlight. <laughs> hang on, focus webcam. It's fine. <laughs> Let's see. There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's tell spooky stories. I'm down for this. Okay. Right? Uh, I don't like that. No, go away. <laughs> no. No, I've been watching I've been watching old like like YouTube videos of like um uh, going to haunted hotels and trying to see if they're really haunted videos recently. Oh. So within like the past two days, that's been all I've been watching on YouTube. See, you, you've been watching that. And then I've been like deep diving into how to create D&D <laughs> on top of just... Well, we've like, both kind like... of been doing that in a way. Like I've been doing it on the like the map side. I've gotten really into cartography over the past like two weeks. You're welcome. Which is super fun. <laughs> His fault, yeah. Billy yeah, Brad's fault. One hundred percent my fault. I I did not expect it to turn into <laughs> what it did, but you know what? It did. And also, you really need to learn to tell me no. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I had so much fun doing it, and I want to like work on it again. And yeah, so basically, to catch you, to bring you guys into the conversation here. Um, Brad shot me a message on Discord, like, last week, I think? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, and it was like, hey, um, do you want to help me build a D&D world? Because I'm, I'm building a, a new world. We got through a campaign that, um, you got through your campaign really fast, so it was like, okay, yeah. I, I want to, like, make a new one. And, um, and I was like, I just, I think I responded something like, give me a couple hours, I have an idea, and then just... <laughs> It was literally that. And then it was radio silent for like four or five hours. And then I just get a picture of a map and I'm like, yes, I love this. And so for a little bit more like in-depth background, since the D&D conversation has been real spotty, because after I went on my rant of being upset, I decided to keep that to a real like minimum here to keep my ranting although all of that ranting got completely cut so nobody knows what was said at any point <laughs> but yeah i just i had to vent to blue because i i was upset over shit that had happened and then things mm. got much better 
and life went on. But then we we had one really big uh, event happen in our what was supposed to be our only uh, session in December. And then I was going to make those fuckers sit on it for like a month and a half. Like we were going to have to get through the holidays, like the whole nine yards. And I had them roll the event and the event was what should have been the worst possible thing for them because, uh, Bree, one of the asshole neighbors, got stabbed in the back by um, this one. (laughs) From her character from our uh, (laughs) online campaign, because Bree decided to adopt that lore. She's she's not able to run from lore for the custom campaign. We'll we'll get into that. But, so yeah, got stabbed in the back by uh, this one. And then... uh, (laughs) Also, the big bad from the campaign showed up, so it was one really big fight. Um, almost got Brie to cry. Was this fucking close with that final monologue? Like, I had tears in my eyes trying to drag it out of her, trying to get as, like, hey, I put my voice acting chops to the absolute test with this, to the point to where I brought myself to tears feeling the character... (laughs) And, uh, no, like it it killed her off and then, and then, okay, this is, this is the level of, I guess, poetic justice in a way that I, (laughs) I deserve, I suppose. So they got the final boss down to where, and I had them roll D fours for whenever everything was going to happen in turns of combat. So it got to the final turn of combat. The big bad was down to 67 health, which theoretically a level five party should not be able. One individual should not be able to do that much damage in their final round of combat, because as soon as we got through and it was fucking Bree that did this. So here we are. So. Final round of combat. Bree's final turn. And she fucking nat 20s with a divine smite. Second level divine smite, which did... Totaled up at the end. Because the way that I do my um, nat 20s is your... uh, Typically, you do double dice. Well, for one set of dice, I do max damage because it's a critical hit. You should be able to do a shit ton of damage on a crit. And then you get to roll the rest of your dice. So because of the nature of the character in Divine Smite, she got to do 40 damage on top of an additional 8d8. <laughs> 69 damage. Lol. It's, right? Nice. <laughs> so in the most poetic fit of justice of how I could have (laughs) okay if my campaign were going to be ended early by anything it would have to be 69 damage but (laughs) the fact that it went out on 69 damage whenever my boss that had over 400 health got smacked down To 67 health, and then hit for 69 before he was going to dimension door away. (sighs) It's fine. 
I'm fine. Everything <laughs> is fine. And I didn't even get to kill a single one of those fuckers because our Rude. cleric did his job. <laughs> How dare he? How dare he? I, I, I will say I was incredibly proud of my players. They, that was the most they had worked together out of all of the one shots and everything I've ever done. So I was incredibly proud. I was sad that the campaign was over, but then I found a much more like deep seated love in wanting to just build a world from scratch. And yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And I was like, hey, you want to help me with this? And we can, like, work on this together. And then Blue just doesn't tell me no. It's like, hey, here's these ideas. Feel free to change whatever. Nope, it's staying. <laughs> yeah, that's fully how we work together as well. Is it's, it's just a, hey, you want to help me with this? Sure. Give me a minute. And then, like, here's a shit ton of shit that I did. And then the other person's like, and then they're like, oh, you can change stuff if you don't like it. You know, it was just kind of an outline kind of thing I was playing with. The other person's like, no, this is this is how we're going now. This is it. <laughs> and we just do that back and forth at each other. Literally. All the time. <laughs> oh, it's it's the only way this dynamic works. It's just like, yeah. I, I could not do what I do without you, even though it's literally just you telling me, yeah, sure, do that. <laughs> And same. Yeah, the other way around. I'm like, I need permission for, to do this, so please tell me it's okay, and then I'm going to go and do the thing. Oh, it's fine. I'm so here for it. Uh, I think it's a, I honestly think it's an ADHD trait, because the amount of other people that I've spoken to with ADHD that are like, I have 12 things that I really want to do, but I just need somebody to say, hey, you can go and do it, and then I'm good. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I kind of feel that. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like when you get into those paralysis modes where you're like, I'm sitting on this couch until somebody comes and tells me something and then I can move. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much like that. That's been me, especially with dealing with my uh, just growing pile of issues that the end of the year this year has started with. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I'm a stay in bed. And then I get a phone call and it's like, Hey, we're having dinner. We're doing this. Leave. It's like, fine. I'll go and do things. <laughs> I don't want to get out of bed, but fine. I will I will leave this bed to go have dinner with friends. Sure. Okay. I guess I have to be social, I suppose. Silly. <laughs> Silly. Oh, it's uh it's great. But yeah, so since doing that map with you, I've just been kind of playing with drawing maps anyway. I found that there's something that I'm quite okay with doing because obviously I'm still in my wrist brace right now. Um, so I've been trying to find ways to do more artwork because like obviously my original plan was to just not do any artwork until I was healed, but it's been six months by this point of having post-surgery recovery. So I'm losing my mind. Art is a huge coping mechanism. <laughs> Art is a huge coping mechanism for me, though, in general. And so, um, and it's also like it's a it's a portion of my livelihood. Like I I sell my artwork. Like I I enjoy doing artwork for 
financial income and for funsies. So it's like putting it on pause for this long just hasn't, it's not possible to have it on pause anymore. So I've been trying to find other ways to be able to do artwork and working with pencils and pens more than paintbrushes, which is my usual medium, um, has worked out for me very well. Painting is still too strenuous. I I am in pain when I paint, so that's that's a no-go. But um but drawing and and sketching has been okay over the past like couple of weeks. So I've been picking that back up again quite a bit, which I've been very happy to do. And map making has really been like tickling that little creative part of my brain that's been very satisfying and I've been learning this whole new medium and like there's so many different ways to do cartography as well. And like right now I've just been doing like worlds as opposed to countries, towns, city maps, things like that. I do eventually want to get into being able to do that kind of stuff because I think it's so cool. I've always loved architectural designs. Some of my favorite pieces of artwork are like engineering blueprints, like um, pipe work, roadmaps, um, things like that. I think they're so beautiful and um, I would frame them <clears throat> and stick them up on my wall. And it's never been something that I've actually dove into myself. It's something I've always admired, but never actually practiced. Because obviously I'm not, you know, an architect or an engineer. I'm just an artist. <laughs> I, I do cats more than anything. And like, like I don't... Uh, cats, birds, plants, that's my realm. Um, so this has been a very interesting change for me. And it's been a lot of fun. So I'm I'm kind of like stoked to head further down this path. And I would love to do like a bunch of different fantasy map designs and like, like, I don't know, sell prints of them or like, like say, take them to like gaming <laughs> cafes and be like, hey, anybody want a map? Like, I mean, you know, I definitely wouldn't fault you there. And at the very least... We've got a lot of maps to work on for this campaign, too. So I am yeah. more than happy to help you try to scratch that itch. Yeah. Well, you get free maps for life. Nah, I'll pay you back in SAS. It'll be fun. SAS, SAS is our <laughs> currency. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, uh, I've got session zeros planned with everyone this uh pretty much this upcoming week the only person that i haven't gotten one planned with is brie but i've already told her that she cannot run from this <laughs> she she will come up with her own lore because that's my that's my ultimate plan with this campaign is to let my players like pretty much build their hometowns from the mm. ground up like they create their characters they create their relationships totally not for me to then exploit for my own game as a dungeon master but i i want my players to feel that the world around them is alive and there are actual stakes to the game especially mm -hmm. since you and i are spending as much time as we are like trying to build this world i want it to be like its own living breathing thing to where it's a conversation that i had had with you but i've never like spoken about it 
in this medium before. Um, honest, did I talk about that with Tails for the episode that's coming out this week? I can't. I can't remember because we discussed D and D and anime at length. That was pretty much the whole hour and a half episode. Which, by the way, Tales of the Fandom uh, new episode releases on the. 8th of January. So whenever this comes out, you'll be able to find it. I can assure you. Just go yeah, check him out. Long time friend of the podcast. Yeah. David is great. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It was it was a joy to go on there the first time, but it it felt so much more special going back the second time, having, you know, been in this medium for as long as Blue and I have, it felt a lot more relatable in a way to have the conversations that we had. Mm-hmm. And it gave me like a whole newfound respect for what he does with his interview style, like chatting podcast. Yeah. Like he's it. an incredibly skilled interviewer and he is just such a nice person as well. Um, but he has a real, real knack for being able to make people feel very comfortable and to keep conversation flowing freely. And he's really good at transitioning from topic to topic. So highly recommend checking out Tales from the Fandom. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was, again, it was such an incredible experience to hmm. be back on there and just chat about everything. But <laughs> getting back to the point, um, it's always been a want of mine to in some shape form or fashion create a like fantasy novel of sorts like i grew up reading like sci-fi and fantasy books like the ancient texts of harry potter and that fantasy world were something that uh like i really enjoyed as a kid growing up to where i went to the fucking midnight release of the deathly hollows mm. And that that was weird. Like, I've been to midnight launches of video games, but I had never been one for a book. So that was interesting. Yeah. But it was like a huge fucking event. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'll go. Why not? And then I drug the book to school with me the next day and finished it at school. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's always been like a dream of mine to do something like that. And then... I'm not the greatest writer. Y'all see how I am here. Me putting together a coherent thought for more than five seconds is a gift from God that cannot be duplicated. (laughs) So I just, it wasn't necessarily a medium that fit for me. However, with the rise of like audio dramas and stuff like that, it's like, okay, this is definitely something that I could probably sink my teeth into more. Um, I don't know if you've listened to it or if audio dramas are even really your thing, but have you listened to The Edge of Sleep that Markiplier was a part of? I haven't, but I do listen to other audio dramas and um, a lot of audiobooks and things like that. It is, it was an incredible experience because I've listened to audiobooks and stuff growing up, but I had never actually listened to one that had like full sound effects and everything as a part of it towards mm-hmm. like its own like cohesive audio experience. Mm-hmm. And. So whenever I listened to The Edge of Sleep, it was like, I 
really want to do something like that. It's like that spark in me kind of got relit in a way. It's just I didn't feel like I had a story to tell necessarily. Mm. And then the more that I've DM'd for D&D and have I got a lot more comfortable in my own personal storytelling. And even with the scripts that I did, well, a script that I did with you and then a couple of others that I did uh, for the campaign, which now don't get to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's fine. I'm fine. But in that, I was like, okay. I really want to do something with this. And you and I have discussed on here with like trying to turn that into like some sort of like audio thing. And Mm -hmm. I, I really want to do that. And so having like my own world to play with and like build Lauren and just pretty much like create something from scratch that may or may not be enjoyable, depending on who listens. Like I, I love that. It's why I've been in content creation for so long. Like I've been streaming for almost 10 years at this point. Like I'm literally three months away (laughs) from my 10 year Twitch anniversary. And I am just, it's shit like this. that just really gets me excited. And I am beyond grateful to have a, phenomenal individual to do this with to do the podcast and work with so thank you for putting up with my shit for the past fucking half a decade or so don't hide from me woman (laughs) you can't hide there's no turtling here so sappy recently look okay i <laughs> i've been given a new perspective on life and i just want to let the people know that i appreciate that i appreciate them <laughs> <laughs> well back at you and that's as much as you're getting i i expect nothing less genuinely <laughs> expect nothing less Oh, uh, but yeah, but, you know, yeah. Like, back to the audio drama thing, and swiftly away from the emotions. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I grew up um, in on British radio. Audio dramas have been a thing for a long time. They were like growing up every Monday evening at seven o'clock on one radio station there was a audio drama that has been happening my entire life um that we used to listen to as a family every monday and i never used to really listen to it you know growing up as a kid but it's it features in a lot of my my memories um like it features on you know when we would have family friends around and we'd be having dinner and we would all not be talking during dinner because we would be listening to the audio drama that would be on the radio at 7pm every Monday. Or like my brother, he, um, when he got his letters through, okay, so 
I've spoken about it a few times. There's a really big exam that you take when you're 11 years old in the UK to determine whether or not you go to a grammar school or a secondary school. And they're basically like a trade school or an academic school. Um, and you can switch when you get older, like with equivalencies and college and stuff. But like for the most part, you get separated in either trades or academics when you're around 11 for at least the schools in our district. Um, and so when my brother was 11, uh, he took this test and uh, he was um, he had applied to two different schools. One of them obviously was um, the grammar school, the academic school. And then another one was a technical um, uh, secondary school. So it was it was dealing with tech, computers, that kind of thing. And he wanted to apply to that school as well. He was waiting for his exam results to come through in the post. And he was waiting for his applications to have come through with like formal letters, like like think college style, but you're 11. So we're waiting in the mail. He's going through the letters in the mail. He gets his two letters. He's opening the letters. He finds out he's going to grammar school. That memory in my brain of us all sitting around the table waiting for his results to see um, what school he would be going to, that radio show is on in the background in that memory and in quite a few other memories as well. So I grew up listening to radio dramas and it, it was a lot more of a thing. And obviously they're not a thing out here. Um, and uh, and I have always thought that they were incredible and they should be used more. And it, this one was a weekly one. Like it was it was done in the same way of like Coronation Street. Yeah. Or like um, an American version. I don't know. Like what's that one with the Dr. Dreamy dude? Dr. McDreamy? Uh, Grey's Anatomy, maybe? That's the one, I think. I think? I think. That kind of thing, anyway. Like, a weekly soap. But it was a weekly soap over the radio. Days and of Our that Lives? Kind of thing that's a weekly soap that's been going on for, like, four decades. There you go. Days of Our Lives. <laughs> so there's there's weekly soaps that happen strictly over the radio in the UK. And, um, and they record new episodes every week, like an anime, and release the episodes every week. Um... And uh, and I've always thought they were really cool. And I would be so down to, to start something like that. I think it would be, I don't know, I think it would be sick. So here's the funny thing about that, right? We are simply fleshing out two continents. We have an mm. entire world we can play with. We don't even have to focus on what the fuck the players are doing. <laughs> No. We can do our own thing, like, separately from that, too. Well, Jen, our friend Jen, who is known as E.H. Demeter, an author, but we know her by Jen, um, uh, has is always on the receiving end of my dumb story ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that she told me today I need to write a book of uh, writing prompts because I send them to her all the time. <laughs> um, like my most recent one that I sent her today, I think this morning, was an apocalypse scenario where instead of it being like an outside influence like aliens or a sickness that affects people or a war, my idea was that our basis of technology would be broken down through a bacteria that rapidly deteriorates metal and therefore like overnight or like within a week everything that is techno technologically advanced all the metal in it 
all of a sudden rust deteriorates breakdown isn't useful so then you end up with like this metal currency of like people trading wires coated in plastic like plastic wires because that bit of metal has been protected away from this bacteria that's been eroding all of this metal so then all of a sudden that becomes currency or like for instance for me like I have a metal plate in my arm it wouldn't be affected so then do I like in a mode of like in poverty would I then go to some sketch back alley doctor to get him to remove this metal plate that's in my arm because then I can sell it and like I could give him one of the screws as payment right like you end up coming up with all of these different worldview, like how the how the world would be deconstructed by it, how the new hierarchy would happen. Would the bacteria kill itself out because it would quickly erode all of the the metal? Would it evolve to to chew on something else, or would it then would we then be starting from the Stone Age effectively again? Like I don't know. That was one of them, anyways. <laughs> I like it. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm like I said, I have thousands of dumb ideas like that. That <laughs> not dumb, very good writing prompts that I'm sure people would love to expand upon. Yeah, rarely fleshed out. They're just the initial thought, and then the, that's as far as I go because I usually forget them by a couple of hours later. I mean, hey, they're all great. <laughs> they're all great i've you've never thrown any idea of my way that been to where i've just been like dumb <laughs> you fucking idiot <laughs> oh shall we shall we get into the pain I've, I guess we should get into the pain. I feel like we've prolonged it long enough. Yeah, we've tried to avoid our feelings. Uh, as usual. The kiss. What <laughs> what is new? <laughs> oh. If you can't tell by the title of the episode, we're discussing the Shibuya incident of Jujutsu Kaisen today. Mm-hmm. And who boy do we have some conversations that need to be had oh yeah oh yeah so i don't think when we did the first core i'm gonna say first core of um second season of jujutsu kaisen we went over any of the stats so i did write them down for this one it wasn't finished at the time so i don't think i even dove into them um but anime planet gives it a 4.5 um, out of five or a nine out of ten. Um, and my anime list gives it a 8.9 out of 10, which gives it a average of an 8.95 out of 10. Incredibly high rating, but we see that consistently with Jujutsu Kaisen, so that's not a surprise. Um, it has a 2.6% drop rate, which is um, high for Jujutsu Kaisen, but low for a two-core season and one that has recently finished. So... Plus, with the intensity of this second season and specifics that happen, I'm not surprised by that, because I bet you're going to get some people that didn't read the manga or didn't know about what was going to happen throughout the season, watching the season, and then kind of effectively rage-quitting the anime. Yeah. Yeah, I I wish I could have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so here we are. Um, yeah. Rest of the background 
is, I think, the same. Yep, nothing has changed. Uh, Mappa did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, we do have a point of contention to talk about with this, mm-hmm. because uh, Mappa almost had a walkout during this core yes. of the season. Mm-hmm. Because there were images that came out of their animators that had like dark bags from like here all the way down of just how Mm -hmm. overworked they were and granted we know that that's kind of a common theme for animators in japan for a lot of and mega cause as well Mm -hmm. yeah but to like physically see that and mm-hmm. to see the conditions that they were put through and see how it translated into the season itself, which I mean, for a lot of the production issues, like I will say a lot of this was incredibly well done. So mm. I want none of the focus whenever we talk about the animation of the season put on the studio, but to the individuals that actually did the fucking work. Great. Great fucking job because those individuals deserve all of the praise for this because it was for the conditions that they were put under it had probably the most well choreographed and animated fight scene of the year Mm -hmm. to if not recent memory period yes yeah but uh it ran from well, technically, August through December 28th for, oh lord, how many episodes? Uh, 18 episodes. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, Hidden Inventory and Premature Death run from 25 to 29, and then the Shibuya Incident is 30 to 47, as far as yes. episode numbers go. Yeah, which is why I said kind of the first core we covered before because normally you would separate cores by like 12 episodes 12 episodes um yeah 12 to 13 give or take yeah yeah but um this was a little bit more of a short core and then a longer core yeah because kind of like what they're looking at with the upcoming season of demon slayer an mm-hmm. arc doesn't necessarily translate to a season of anime. Now, granted, yeah. would I have loved an entire season of young Gojo and Ghetto running around and getting into shenanigans and pissing Nanami off? Yes. Please mm-hmm. give me more. <laughs> but, I mean, whatever something is that short and doesn't take up that much space in the manga, it, it makes sense. Yeah. I think that's also why we're starting to see more and more um, movies being integrated into seasons as opposed to a separate movie re- movie launch. We've seen that a couple of times recently or like an extra long episode either in the beginning or the end of the anime. Um, yeah. Like a, a short film, like an hour long as opposed to an hour and a half, two hour because... long film. But we have seen those like be part of the season as opposed to a separate launch. Yeah. Which, I mean, Mm -hmm. in this case, like, if it prevents the animators from getting overworked, do more, like, shorter cores like that. Mm -hmm. Because the the quality of the animation didn't dip much from 
uh, hidden inventory to Shibuya, but there were definitely some points in Shibuya to where it's like, uh, and it's very minute, but there were some points where it's like, mm, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet the rest of yeah. it was just beyond incredible for what it was. So yeah. again, full, full props to the animators for the conditions that they were under to pull off what they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I I don't know how it would work logistically, but because of, like, TV release, like, I know that these are shown on TV in Japan and stuff. Here, obviously, they're just dropped on Crunchy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, since COVID especially, I feel like anime fans and people in general are less likely to be complete dickwads about people needing a week break. Um, because I know that, like, before COVID, specifically, whenever an anime would release a recap episode, people would lose their shit. And we still don't like recap episodes. Nobody's going to say that you don't like a recap episode. But, like, we understand if you need a break. I personally think it's better to just not have an episode than to have a recap episode, if you ask my opinion, because recap episodes kind of, are, they're, they're a bit of a cock tease, you know, they're like, get your yeah. hope up for, hopes up for a new episode dropped, and then it's not the episode that you thought it was, but like, a 30 second little anime release to just be like, hey, sorry guys, we're overworked this week, or like, we need a break, things are taking longer, we want to give you the qu- the quality content that you want, that you deserve, that this anime, this production, um, the source material deserves, so we're going to take the extra time that we need to do it. I don't personally see anything wrong with that. I don't know how that would actually work in practicality, like, because obviously they have deadlines that they need to finish, and there's expectations, and and like if it's being released on TV then they need to fill that spot with something so i get why recap episodes exist and i i can understand why they don't do them anymore because they get shat on whenever you release one you just go down in the comments and it's like fucking hell like bitching 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 but i feel like more honesty cuz even if you did do a recap episode but you opened the recap episode with we want to give this content the quality it deserves and therefore we are taking an extra week um, of time to get you the content that you deserve so then people have an understanding right off the bat because I think sometimes people don't understand why there are recap episodes I don't know yeah and it's it really is that case of for people that aren't or that don't follow anime to the degree that we do to where, mm. like, even though we don't have news segments on this podcast anymore, like, I still follow that shit to the letter. I yeah. also watch way too much of the fucking weekly airing anime, but that's mainly because I figure out what I can and can't uh, torture this one with. <laughs> True. But it, it just... If you don't release anything that tells us it's going to be a recap episode, then uh, there have been times to where I've been scrolling through and you leave off on a cliffhanger. And then I see like episode 6.5. I'm just like, motherfucker, (laughs) throw my phone because it's like I've been waiting on this and you have said literally nothing. If you at least tell me 
like, hey, due to production, like, we're just going to release a recap episode this week and we'll be back mm-hmm. next week. I'm okay with that. Just yeah. give us some forewarning or, mm-hmm. or hear me out. Just delay it by a season or delay yeah. it by a week so you aren't producing anime and finishing it days before it airs. Yeah. Because they, so the walkout obviously didn't happen because it continued. But what ended up happening is it got pushed back a day for a little while to where instead of uh, JJK releasing on Wednesdays in Japan and Thursdays on Crunchyroll, it got pushed back to Thursday and Friday. And it was like that for a couple of weeks. And then they got back on track. Mm. But if, you know, if just a little bit more time was given, then mm-hmm. it would, you know, you would be able to at least make up that lost time mm-hmm. and be able to deliver on the quality that is expected from not that, you know, quality should be expected from any studio or anything like that. But it the you know quality that the, the actual animators themselves want to produce. Like, I know yeah. we're both artists and, and we hold ourselves to a higher standard than anybody else. Like, any anybody who takes pride in their work is usually their own har- harshest critic. Mm-hmm. And I know it would kill me if I was producing something that I wasn't 100% happy with, especially considering that animators get into animation because they love it. They wouldn't be animators if they didn't love anime and so like they're fans of the work that they're making they're fans of the manga they don't want to just produce whatever they have to produce because of the the limits that have been put around them they want to produce good work and so it must fucking suck to like be producing work that you're not 100% happy with and just having to do that because you physically can't do any better because of the conditions that you're in like yeah and i don't think any anime fan out there holds anime in a higher place than the animators themselves we are okay i think i speak for all anime fans when i say we're okay waiting as long as we need to for those animators to be in proper conditions and working proportionate hours and living their best lives so that we can get the quality content that we want. Because A, we care about the animators, we don't want them fucking dying on the job. And B, we know that the best work will come out of animators that are happy to animate. And nobody's happy when you're working in those conditions. Exactly. Because look at solo leveling. It was one of the highest grossing uh, webtoons, manwas, however you want to <clears throat> look at it, that mm. was turned into an anime by A1 Pictures. The first episode released yesterday at time of recording, and it was pushed back, I think, twice. I think initially it was supposed to come out in summer of 2023, got pushed back to fall of 2023, mm. and then got pushed back again till winter of 24 and that was pretty much every time it got pushed back everybody was just like you know what that's fine because people understood the level of expectations that this was going to have on it with solo leveling being what it is 
to the uh, Webtoons manhwa community. Yeah, so, I think a really a really good example of the opposite of that is, do you remember, when was it? A couple of years ago, what was it? No Man's Sky came out and it was completely unplayable. Yes, and it was I'm like, and the whole gaming community, it. right? But the whole gaming community was like, we get it, we understand that games take time, that that programming takes time, that animation takes time, that all of this stuff takes fucking time. And if you needed more time to make this a playable game, you could have just told us. We would have still been here for the launch. We would have still been excited for it. We would have still played the shit out of it. But instead, you released a product that we can't play and gave us empty promises because you couldn't fulfill what you said you could do within the timeline. And therefore, we're all going to fucking rag on it because, like, you you didn't, you didn't, you weren't transparent with us. We're all fans of the things that these guys are creating. We love it. And so we're okay with waiting for the best version of that to come out rather than you giving us something that is half-assed or um, just not finished because you don't have the time, the energy, the resources, whatever, to be able to produce it the way that you originally wanted to. When you could have just said, hey guys, you know, we're not going to make this deadline. We've done the best that we can with it. We're super sorry. We thought we could do it, but we overestimated the amount of work that needed to go into this. So we want to take a little bit more time to give you the product that you actually want. And it works when you have that level of communication, when you have that level of transparency and you, you are honest with your audience we're still here with you to back you up, to, to watch it when it comes out. You're not going to lose numbers, like significant numbers, because people are still fans. And a prime example of that exact thing. So you know how deep my love for The Last of Us runs. Mm. Well, Naughty Dog has been in production of a standalone Last of Us multiplayer game mm. that has been, it's been in production for at least a couple of years now, it was rumored pretty much after part one came out and was confirmed after the initial release of part two. And it's been in production. Like we've like heard bits and pieces here or there. And just recently, I think maybe a month or so ago, they put out a statement going, Hey, like we are just completely canceling the project because we cannot deliver to the level that we want to deliver at because they fully knew and understood like they were going to have to make a decision on whether they wanted to create this and have to dedicate all of their time and resources to creating updates and more content and everything else to make it continue to be playable or to be able to continue and produce like single player like storytelling epics that they are known for between uncharted the last of us and just their whole plethora of mm -hmm. gaming catalog so they were just like look like we're sorry if we've disappointed you but we have to do what we think is best for us and y'all to continue giving the experience that they want to give mm -hmm. and so i am fully here for that and you mentioned no man's sky i i pre-ordered the game i was mm. very disappointed 
whenever mm-hmm. it came out so much so to where I've been told like how incredible the game is now. And I, I can't bring myself to even try to play it again just because yeah. of how badly I was burned by that game whenever it came out. And the same with a uh, hell we've talked about it on here before cyberpunk mm. the, and the shape that it was in and no mm. man's sky wasn't, like this huge feat by any means like it was incredibly large in what they were promising but i don't even recall the studio that made it but with cyberpunk cd project red the studio that made the witcher and for them to release cyberpunk in the shape that it was in and granted they've come out and said like they were straddled with unfortunate deadlines and that's just kind of what they were you know set with from the beginning but if Mm. anything there were i don't know i feel like there were again better ways that could have handled it at least from a like pre-release standpoint Mm -hmm. because at least you know tag it with hey early access even though playstation doesn't do early access it's a full game but it's one of those things to where you know how you market things or how you release things is always going to be how things like that are going to be numbered whenever they release. So with cyberpunk, if they had just put like early access or early development, that would be fine. Like mm-hmm. Baldur's gate three was released in early access years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've owned it since it's been in early access. And I played it initially whenever it, came out in early access and have played it whenever it fully released. And it is a vastly different experience, but I knew going into it whenever I initially purchased it, like, Hey, it's early access. So it's going to have bugs. And now Mm -hmm. even in the full release, do we still encounter bugs? Yes. And they are fucking stupid and hilarious, (laughs) but I, it's nowhere near in the shape that it was whenever it was initially released. And I went into it knowing that it wasn't a finished product and wasn't to the standards that Larian wanted it to be. And yet it became exactly what Larian wanted it to be. Cause I don't know if you paid attention to the video game awards, but Baldur's gate fucking swept. Like I think every category that they were nominated for, they won including game of the year like fucking took everyone to the cleaners. So again, it just all depends on the expectations that, you know, is both set by the consumer, but also by the, you know, releasing company. Like if you think you're releasing something subpar, if you at least let people know ahead of time, it will mm. at least dampen the impact to where people yeah, are going to people's be expectations. as upset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I I wonder if there's something that we can do within the anime community to promote a healthier environment of this week-to-week relationship that we expect to have for these incredibly high-quality animes. Because as technology develops, obviously we're going to get more and more programs that aid animators, but we're also going to get more and more expectations of the animators and um, we already have like a, a, a hierarchical expectation, you know, outlook 
on different studios because we were aware of, you know, the size of the studio. So we take that into account when we watch um, different animes from different studios because we're aware that they don't have the budget, the team size, the technology, whatever, to be able to support um, an anime like Jujutsu Kaisen. But that doesn't mean that studios that like MAPPA that produce Jujutsu Kaisen can also be held to those same standards because they have teams within the studios that aren't getting the same level of funding or like they may be getting the funding but they don't have the team size or they they're being overworked or whatever because as stories progress our expectations also progress and we as consumers are very greedy and I wonder if there's something that we can do as a community that would allow um accountants and legals and whatever to be able to see because I just don't think that professionals that are the ones that are putting the animators aren't the ones that are putting the deadlines on the animation right they're the the it's accounting it's it's production managers it's legal that's doing that and they don't understand the strain and stress until you end up with something like this where you have it go globally public, the conditions that your animators are working under, and then you have PR and PR lawyers getting involved. And um, and that's when, it's only when there's scandal that you see that change, but the, oftentimes change is just brushing things under the rug and figuring out how to cover things up, as opposed to meaningful actual impact change. I think the impact change has to come from the people who are spending our money and what our expectations are of different companies. And I just don't know what we can do as a community to be able to allow the people that are writing the checks and drawing up the contracts to include things like having a, you know, mandatory week break for animators whenever they're doing a to core anime or whatever like whatever it is that you want to do to be able to give these people lives outside of animation um I don't know I we need to f- figure that out as a community and band together and, and do something that is impactful for this because I think this needs to be a change across the board I don't think this is a map specific issue and I don't necessarily even think this is an animation specific issue this is a like a work structural thing and I don't think it's a Japan issue either I think this happens globally um I so I think I I guess my point here is is to just kind of be aware of where you're spending your money and who you're spending your money on because our money is what talks when it comes to corporations and if we're not buying merch from specific people not just necessarily like we're not buying Jujutsu Kaisen merch but in general or whatever um and then they go and do market research as to why their numbers have dropped and they find out it's because we don't like the way that they're treating their animators or whatever um that's when they'll start to listen but I don't think they'll necessarily necessarily listen when we're just like tweeting about it or whatever you know oh I I 100% agree yep (laughs) It's still Twitter, damn it. <laughs> no, I I 100% agree because we have mm. we have seen like entire projects, like second seasons and whatnot, get canned because the Blu-rays and merchandise don't sell as well, and that's because the Japanese animation industry is so 
keen on how marketable and how merchandisable what they produce can be. So if mm. you stop spending money on it, then, you know, they'll start to pay a little bit more attention. However, I, I still think it's still centrally focused on Japan. So I think it would take mm. a like culture shift in Japan to at least get that ball rolling because the, yeah. it certainly seems like a lot of the international audience does it way too heavily on the minds of the animation companies, but that's mm -hmm. just kind of what I've noticed from things. But again, it's also one of those things that I have noticed is whenever like Japanese Blu-ray sales dip, then shit happens. Mm -hmm. so yeah but I, th I think that's kind of a, it's a, a process that we can take with us across the board every i don't think there's a country in the world right now that has a good work <laughs> to life ratio balance like i i just don't think it's something that we've kind of figured out how to do as humans um i think that it's highlighting being highlighted in japan right now but I know, like, here in Canada, it's being spoken about all the time. We're in a cost-of-living crisis. Like, people are fucking losing their mind because they're working three minimum wage jobs and can't pay their rent. Like, it's, it's a global issue that we're going to have to figure out at some point. And, you know, I don't this isn't an animation specific thing i just think that this is how it's impacting our community as nerds right now Whole, wholeheartedly agree and i think as mm -hmm. the culture continues to shift then things should continue to shift in a more positive direction it's just it's gonna take a lot of people banding together and being like hey we're not gonna put up with this shit and we're not gonna give you our money for shit to change yeah because as with Tax you know rich. <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it just it's simple economics, you know, just yeah. supply and demand. And if demand mm -hmm. goes down and supply goes up, then prices go down and it's just, you know, it's a really weird roller coaster and I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> yeah. And like honestly, I just think like I am all for stretching a season out over a longer period of time to have my animators be healthy and happy and have the content that I want. Absolutely. Simple as. Just just push the shit back a season. Like yeah. if you're initially gonna do it here, push it back a season. I can I can wait until twenty twenty five for the next arc of JJK. Because it was initially rumored for twenty twenty five and I think they announced it for twenty four. So push that shit back. <laughs> At least yes. a season. Maybe maybe yeah. two seasons. Just push that shit back because if this is what we got this season and they were overworked, I would love to see what we could get if we had like fully healthy because the biggest proponent of this, I promise we'll get into JJK in a minute, <laughs> but Kyoto animation, they have like from what I've read and seen online, they have incredibly healthy uh, like office environments, like they make sure that their people are taken care of and it shows because everything that Kyoto animation does is gorgeous. Violet Evergardens 
animation is stunning. Uh, mm. Fuck, what is that music anime that I'm trying to think of? Uh, Sound Euphonium, is that right? I think so. Whatever that band anime that they do does is fucking incredible. So it just goes to show that if you give your people the time that they need, they will produce gold. Because it's like you were saying earlier, Japanese animators get into this business because they love it. They know that working in that field is hell. They get into it because they love it. So imagine what they could do if they were given the environments to truly thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're creatives. You put a creative in a box and tell them to draw a fucking the wall of the box over and over and over again, they're going to go insane and the quality is going to go down. But if you give a, a creator a fucking world and tell them to go nuts, you know, like the things that they'll create will be insane. And we'll start seeing more and more studios picking up different projects because we've fallen into repeti- like repetitive phases of anime release. You see it all the time where you have like a superhero phase and then a, a right now it's a demon phase and then you'll get like, I don't know, bands or like a specific phase in your slice of life genre. There'll be a specific kind of, of romance uh, theme that comes out that's popular. And although I understand why something gets popular, you want to market something that's similar so you release that or whatever... It stops larger studios who have the budget, who have the means, from creating things that may change the consumer market. And so we have to rely on our indie studios to make interesting content. And I wonder if we gave, if like larger studios gave their animation teams more leeway to do what they wanted obviously they're basing things off of mangas and stuff so like they're they're following projects that that already have a world um but it makes me wonder if they would choose to animate things that aren't like necessarily like the most popular or whatever and then we might see some some new things like some new genres some new styles some new art styles cropping up in in the industry like like um, it would be nice to see differences to see changes to see you know an artist's individual design choices even if the the animation itself like the anim- the story is the, the same as what's popular on the market or whatever but the the visuals are different we might see more scenic shots different sound design the sound design in this season of jujutsu kaisen was so similar to demon slayer you like the the there's choral like voices that are edited to be kind of sketchy and creepy. I sounded like they took a complete like dub of Demon Slayer and put it onto Jujutsu Kaisen, and I wonder if that's because the the sound design team were so fucking overworked as well as the animators that they just kind of gave up on coming up with something new, or they couldn't think of something new that they didn't have the creative means to be able to do that, and so. I don't know. It's just like 
you end up watching things and thinking like this kind of feels like the exact same thing as something else and I feel like Jujutsu Kaisen fell a little bit into that trap this season of just not feeling like it was as standout as the first season was yeah I don't know that's a tangent a tangent by us yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's definitely something that needed to be spoken about because that's that is definitely a conversation I wanted to have with you, like whenever this shit was going on. But we mm. weren't recording during that period because we had a backlog and we were trying to enjoy the holidays. And get our brains functioning. Yeah. Because whoever decided to name fucking what is it, seasonal whatever depression sad? Good on you, honestly. Fucking way to acronym. <laughs> yeah, it's it is incredibly accurate. Way, way too accurate. But you know what? It's fine because we have anime to make us sad. We've got the power of God and anime on our side. <laughs> oh. Uh, and we're sad. So <laughs> JJK Shibuya incident. <laughs> shall we shall Spoiler we put chicken hats? The... Yeah. I can play one kind of pipe. Fuck, wrong one. Out of context, that... (laughs) I told you in that episode that was going to be saved and put on the soundboard. I did not mean to hit it there. It's just right under the chicken hat. (laughs) I play a whistle, okay? Like an actual... (laughs) All of the other varieties that you're thinking of right now, get the fuck out of your your brain. No. (laughs) whistle thank you look okay i know that i am <laughs> fully aware but that is clearly a phrase that came out of your mouth and i told uh, you it was going on the soundboard just i just forgot that happened that i do not remember <laughs> saying that at all i do not remember you saying it's going on the soundboard i have no recollection of that <laughs> that's a deep fake okay <laughs> Look, all right, that that is what got me out of my editing hole was I was finally like, you know, I'm I'm tired of letting myself down. I'm tired of letting Blue down. I'm going to edit these episodes. I'm going to get them up. It will be fine. And literally the first episode that I got into, there was that bit and it just reignited my passion for editing until things happened. So I was like, yes. So yeah, it has made the soundboard, along with plenty of other great, glorious, wonderful items, such as... Take your latte and get the fuck out. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, chicken hats. Yeah. (laughs) Chicken hats, okay. I I have a completely different one, and I can't get it onto my soundboard because it's funnier. (laughs) It's on my Discord soundboard, but I could not get it into this soundboard to save my life. It, for some reason, does not like the file. No. Oh. That's fine. Wait, I have that one. Nope, never mind. That's on the that's on the Discord soundboard, too. <laughs> so I'm just going, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, just, it's just, your soundboard is just me. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... 
that is perks of me editing the podcast. So if you would like to take over at any time and use me against me, I am here. I'm all here for it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll have to get myself a soundboard. <laughs> no, no, we have one built into here too. Oh no, you do. You remember we had this discussion. You are the only one who has access to the soundboard while we're recording on here. Oh, because you are alpha. Uh, and I'm I mean, just a beta bitch. <laughs> That's cool. I'm bored too. Why do I speak? I just wait, wait, wait. I, I think it's on here. Hang on. Come on. Play. There's one that's just labeled O. Oh, come on. Never mind. That's <laughs> just going to end up randomly playing at this point. We're just going to have to live with just a random. Oh. Pop up out of nowhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. uh, my shower songs recently have been um, uh, Disney princesses singing songs that are totally inappropriate. Um, so, like my little mermaid impression, but singing like Rehab by Amy Winehouse. But it's <laughs> fucking funny. Oh, I want an audio the recording joys of, being of this. A voice so bad. <laughs> I want this now. I, I I need this in my soul. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, okay. Jujutsu Kaisen. Let's actually get on track. Yeah. Just, I, I don't want to get into the pain. Mm. Yeah. Should we just skip this episode? We I mean, we've 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 gone on for an hour and ten minutes and haven't even talked about. I mean, we have talked about it. We haven't actually talked about the story, but we have talked about the season and the things mm-hmm. that have surrounded it. The animation's nice. Uh, sound design's good. Uh, voice actors did good job. Okay, there we go. Oh, now we're done. Man. <laughs> Oh, the fucking voice actors. Have you have you seen anything about the voice actors in this? No. So Yuji's voice actor, like as he wrapped up his lines for the season, was crying in the booth, which I mean, fair. Because this season was fucking rough. Mm-hmm. Um Nanami's voice actor. Like, there's an actual video of him, like, as he recorded his final line, like, immediately, like, picking up his shit and just leaving the booth. Mm-hmm. Like, he was distraught with it. And so it's just, oh, my God, the voice acting in this. They went so hard. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible work. Like, all yeah. the individuals that worked on this did absolutely incredible yeah um yeah the show in itself make sure you've got those bloody chicken hats on because <laughs> yeah we are, we're charge. about to go into it yeah <laughs> yeah recently within the past four or so years within anime we've had shows that really haven't minded killing off characters Anime kind of had a reputation before, or at least a lot of, you know, your shonen animes had a reputation of never having any real stakes because no matter what happened, none of the characters were ever going to actually be killed off. The trend changed 
kind of around the prime of Attack on Titan, I'd say. Which, I mean, Attack on Titan in its first season, that came out in 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So its initial like release, I guess it's what kind of put the crack in the seam yeah. for shit like this to happen. And then and now then you have yeah. mangaka saying like, I will kill off everyone just because. Yeah. And yeah. Gege Akutami is one of those creators <laughs> that have said, yeah, if he can get so away like- with killing off everyone, he will do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a real change, a real shift in the anime culture And I also think it opened anime up to an older audience. Not that obviously beforehand there weren't older people who were watching anime, but it changed the art form um, to be less of a, ah, I'm just going to unwind from the day and chuck on some anime and more of a understood and appreciated art form for a lot of people. Like, it became less of a casual viewing experience and more of an emotional investment. Um, And this show is an example of how that culture shift within the anime community has progressed. We find ourselves getting attached to a lot of characters within this show, even characters that don't really have much presence. Um, Like, they're not in it for a whole lot but they're very good at giving us rounded characters within a very quick amount of viewing time but also that doesn't mean that they're the only ones that are at risk we also have characters that are you know like on the front cover of the (laughs) freaking posters you know and and nobody is safe and Jujutsu Kaisen this season especially um kind of threw that in our face with uh, a couple of characters um, here. Yeah, it was. Mm. And it's so deceptive in a way. I say Mm. deceptive as if the first partial core of this season didn't have death and just batshit crazy stuff happen. Mm. But I had an idea going into this of what was to come because Mm -hmm. I had some minor spoilers of like really big deaths occurring in this season. I just wasn't sure whom. And I, I had an idea because I knew like who I felt could and could not be killed off up to this point because they hadn't been like, I guess fully realized in a way. Mm. And it threw me for a curveball with one. I mean, I, the moment it happened, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, (sighs) but then, but then what they did to our boy, I'm, I'm still not over. (laughs) Yeah. I, think, I cried over both. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> I think that... Okay, I guess we should just straight up dive into it. Um, we're kind of skirting around it still. 
we we have been beating around the bush the entire way because i'm i'm so sad yeah sitting through this a second time was hard and we were gonna try to like record this for tiktok bits (sighs) my god no um (laughs) but what i will say uh, Jujutsu Kaisen was already a little bit different from um, the other shows within this genre recently because of the fact that in the trio, the classic trio of heroes, um, of your teen heroes, there was a female protagonist who was not muted by a bamboo reed. So, <laughs> shout out Demon Slayer. Um, <laughs> and so we had like a prominent um core member of the the trio who was a female member but that being said her character was a developed rounded character but not on the same level strength wise skill wise as her classmates um still incredibly powerful incredibly strong but they had had much more experience um, built up over the end of the first season, over, like, time. You know, you watch their stories, you see them, you follow them. She was in it, but, like, not with them in the same way. And so when they were evolving, she was more of a stagnant character. Um, So it makes sense. Logically, I'm like, yeah, either she needed some kind of evolution or... Yeah, which I... (laughs) I will say, I wish we had gotten her exposition dump, probably in the first episode, whenever Mm -hmm. we got that really nice slice of life bit with everybody hanging out, um, human earthworm four and all that shit in the first episode. (laughs) Oh, but, um, I, I really wish we had gotten that exposition dump sooner because even, even after her death i sat down and thought about it and i was like you know that is the first time in a very long time we have had a headstrong not non-tied down mm-hmm. female protagonist that is on the level of her male counterparts yeah and even more so because she physically did more damage to Mahito than yeah. Aoi did. Mm-hmm. Because she actually managed to damage Mahito's soul with yeah. her curse technique, which mm-hmm. is... And it was with that bit that kind of brought it into perspective of sitting down and thinking about it after the fact, where I was just like, she is definitely the best female protagonist in a long while Mm -hmm. that I just wish they had fleshed out her backstory sooner rather than uh, her info dumping at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think the reason why, like, I just think she's powerful. She just didn't have that same level of experience they had in the fighting, like in the, like in actual combat. Um, because she wasn't shown as much, like she wasn't included as much in the big fight scenes leading up to this. Um, still there, but like not 
quite there. So to me, like, it makes sense that she was the one that did get yeeted. Um, that being that being said, I it is a uh, it is frustrating that her character did end up seeming a little bit flat. Um, because she ended up being kind of one note toward the end. The she lacked a level of vulnerability that they tried to provide in her final death cutscene, effectively. Um, but that vulnerability could have, I think, been threaded through her character more consistently throughout the earlier story in ways that would have been quite subtle, I think. I think you could have done things where it showed her trying to put on this, you know, exuberant, um, forceful, powerful front, um, but with hints of insecurity thrown in that teenagers have. If they had added more moments like that in, and like you said, if they had included that trickle of scenes, if they'd just maybe broken it up a bit more um, throughout previous episodes leading up to it, I think we would have been more gutted at her death in an, in a way that would have then put us on the same level as, um, fucking can't remember anybody's names. Yuji. Why am I, why is Itadori, why is my brain just like, names? You don't need those. You don't need those. <laughs> I just spent like 20 hours with this guy. Do I remember the name? Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Do you remember but any I... of the characters' games? No. No. But it's fine. Um, with that scene, though, I will say I think a lot more of the me crying was more reminiscing on like how much pain that caused Yuji than yeah. just like her death itself. Because yeah. it hit me in the same spot that the re-zero deaths hit me like even though mm -hmm. in re-zero technically the deaths aren't permanent like it still hurts like watching our main character slowly go fucking insane over all of the shit that's happening to him like it doesn't make it any easier and watching that same level of damage be done to yuji like i think that's probably what hit incredibly hard economy on the other hand that that just fucking hurt. i agree that, that was so well so done much. the flicking oh. between the two so well done oh my god it was done so well with fucking like him just having that dance but then the cut back to reality and he's just absolutely decimating curses it was glorious i it's like your lay in april but instead of violins it's fucking demons literally yeah the background Curses. music that accompanied it was done so well it was mm. it was spectacular and then to have that bit with yuji at the end to be told the exact same thing that he was told before his partner passed away and that mm. Like, he's the one that has to carry the torch now to mm. then just, pff, it was, oh, it fucking hurt mm -hmm. so much. 
emotionally, but also they added this incredible twist of the horror of the show to it with the animation of his lower half just falling and the the obliteration being top specific. They mm-hmm. kept a very chilling thriller horror theme throughout this moment where you're feeling emotional, you're upset, you can't believe that this is really happening. Like you kind of knew it was happening. They they didn't hide it, you know, the whole season they didn't hide. When you're watching it, everything is predictable, but it's predictable in a way that's still entertaining. Um and in this moment you're watching it, you know it's gonna happen. There's no way it can't happen. And um and you're still emotional, but you're also like like not scared, but like horrified like it's it's there like it really is a terrifying moment and you you know the outcome the show up to this point has made it clear like they have no issues killing people off because Mm -hmm. you for one we thought nanami was dead up to that point anyway whenever jogo decided to torch his ass uh torch my torch the old dude Mm -hmm. and then uh, Megumin got fucking thrown out the window by his dad, then that was a whole fucking trip in and of itself. Yeah. But to think that Nanami was dead up to that point, and then for him to like actually get to go out in a blaze of glory, no pun intended, for you know what happened to him before, like he he had a much more fitting death than what would have been deserved with uh jogo yeah and i think one of the parts of it that made it so upsetting is the commentary about um his retirement his retirement plans like what he wanted to do just with his life outside of the job and i think that did a fantastic job of making it realistic to the viewer of putting in a perspective of this is just his job, you know, like this isn't, this isn't what he wants. This isn't his dreams, his goals, his life plan. He's more than just, you know, just what he does for a living. And yet he put his life on the line for this job and he's never going to get to see that retirement that he wanted. And I think that did a fantastic job of making us put ourselves in his shoes as a character and to see almost it makes you reflect on the way that you're wasting your life away like how could you like I know for sure in that moment I was definitely thinking like oh fuck like am I gonna be like 85 and still working a job because like I can't afford to retire or whatever and I just want to be on a beach reading books like we all want to be there and we're all kind of wasting our lives away in the same sense (laughs) for a job that doesn't really matter um But it, I don't know, it, it was just a fantastic way of articulating that point. And um, Malaysia is actually working with Gege to build a, like, statue and shrine to Nanami on that specific beach mm. where that happened. And, like, naming that part of the beach and everything after him. Like, they're obviously doing it as, like, a tourist ploy but also like like the fact that they're actually going to do that 
like for a fictional anime character, but knowing like how much that character meant to the genre to where they would build an actual like statue and shrine to a fictional character. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> like there's that is a, great. <laughs> there's a place in Alberta that has like a, Oh, why do I feel like it? I can't remember the name of the place. It's fucking like Nimoy, Alberta or something. And it's got the statue of, is it Leonard Nimoy, the Star Trek dude? Spock? There's a Spock statue somewhere in Alberta because the town has the same name as him, I think. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember like when he passed away, like people swarming there and like taking pictures with the statue and stuff. And it's like a whole Star Trek themed town. Yeah. Um interesting. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to bring up with the show, I feel like I have to bring it up because I always bring up the inverse of it. Uh, fucking weirdo brother-sister complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... If there was any detractment from the show, it's that bitch and her brother. That was fucking weird. It was weird. Um, and uh, in general, I think the show is really good. That unnecessary, weird, creepy... Yeah. I say that a lot about a lot of different shows. It's the inverse this time. Younger brother. Um, just a boy. Like a boy boy. Yep. Little boy. Um, she's naked in a bed with him at one point. It's... It's... Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's unnecessary and totally weird. Yep. We didn't need that. Nope. Why do you do that? Absolutely unnecessary. And she ultimately meant absolutely fuck all to yeah. what happened like that was beyond unnecessary so yeah, yeah it, none it, of that uh, anymore please yeah look, we can skip that section that's weird it's fucking odd we don't need it yep don't make us feel like puppets when we're trying to watch an anime that we're enjoying and then all of a sudden you put a child on the screen mm-hmm. that's doing like that's being uh, don't do it yep. <laughs> nope uh-uh nope none of that no, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, then last two major points to talk about. Yes. Number one, Sukuna. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking boy. <laughs> yes. That was, okay. So we, we haven't talked about the OP and ED to this as of yet. But for one, their use of the OP to traumatize us mm-hmm. during bits that... I hate it when that happens. I love it when that happens, but I fucking hate it when that happens. Because <laughs> you know shit's happened whenever they drop that fucking OP. But the way that they changed the OP as the story progressed, with removing people from it, putting that big-ass fucking hole where Shibuya was on the map... um. I guess three final points, because let's just go ahead and talk about it, including Yuta on the third episode, where if you blink and you miss it, it was a, like, their use of that and changing that was absolutely incredible. But yeah, Tsukuna fucking leveling a massive chunk of Shibuya just because he could. Mm-hmm. With yep. fucking fighting... Megami's trump card, but also his trump card is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Also, I was watching videos on this after the fact, 
this motherfucker has tried to summon uh his shikigami multiple times throughout the fucking show like he tried to summon it twice in season one tried mm-hmm. to summon it the first time he met Sukuna before he was shut down and then he tried to fucking summon it on uh Aoi during the first season his boy's got a suicide wish he really does because that Shikigami took no prisoners including him mm-hmm and and he was willing to end it all just to fucking stop Toto. That, that baffles me, the fact that he was willing to do that on a classmate. And then Tsukuna just absolutely has his way with it. While also, again, destroying a massive fucking chunk of Shibuya in the process. And leaving a crater. And then immediately reverting back to Yuji to let him have to deal with you know, having killed all of those people that Mm -hmm. were there because Sukuna was aware of everyone that he killed because that's just the way domains work. Like, you're aware of every person that you're hitting inside of the domain. So Yuji Mm -hmm. was technically present for all of that. So he had all of the memories of what occurred. And just, oh boy, that was... I mean, for one... That whole fight bit with Jogo and then the uh, Shinigami and all of that was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. But that, on top of Nanami and Kugisaki, just traumatized our boy so much. Yeah. And then the best fight scene (laughs) all year. If not a very, very long time. Fucking the two brothers against Mahito. <laughs> You're my brother now. Oh. <laughs> it's the little That's... breaks where he's like, you want to call me Oni-chan? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I love JJK's humor in that mm. it is incredibly well-timed because we, we're fucking hurting and then we get that shit but then also we think toto's about to die his necklace falls off and it reveals a picture of yuji and the idol uh fuck what is their name uh uh tataka maybe it's something like that something like that uh fuck anyway and then they have that bit of where her music starts playing and they're both in a sailor outfit just beating the ever-loving shit out of Mahito. Just that <laughs> that brought me so much joy. Whatever. I was prepared to cry again. I thought they were about to kill Toto off and nope. <laughs> They fucking nope. hit him with that shit. That was... Uh, that whole fight scene in general, from the time Toto showed up and bringing Yuji out of his just fucking devastated state. And it's just... Uh, I cannot speak highly enough about how well that was animated, choreographed the sound design during all of that, the fact that the dude basically got a WWE entrance 
coming into the fight <laughs> while fucking citing old Japanese proverbs <laughs> and beats the shit out of him. Fucking survives the domain expansion by cutting off his own hand and fucking uses Mahito's own hand to clap to fucking switch out. Just, oh. For one, Toto's probably one of the smartest fucking people in the show. Like, I... <laughs> he might be a little weird, but dude is partially a genius for the shit that he came up with during that fight. Oh, I I cannot speak highly enough of just how much I enjoyed that fight and the fucking aftermath with the symbolism mm-hmm. of Mahito running away and like whenever it cuts to that winter background of Mahito and the rabbits trying to crawl away and Yuji and the wolves like slowly chasing like ooh chills <laughs> mm-hmm. that was, yeah uh, well, so this, well done yeah the end of this season really changed the entire world and the um knowledge of everything that is now been released to the public like it's the whole dynamic the whole structure the whole system has changed um at the end of this season yeah so you've got uh, False Ghetto that has unleashed just a horde of curses throughout mm-hmm. Japan. And the Japanese government is like, hey, we're actually going to tell people about curses, but they only come from Tokyo. So that way they can try to keep it contained to Tokyo after, like, why not just go ahead and leave it in fucking Shibuya that's already been obliterated? <laughs> Like, that is an easy way to explain that away instead of trying to point it, like, towards your epicenter. Yeah. And then we had, like, like news reports where news reporters were being eaten on screen. Like, we had, like, the well, there was talks of international governments and international armies stepping in. Um, the general public is now aware of curses as you said like it's it's a different world and then we also everyone's sentenced to death just everyone yep you've got (laughs) false ghetto who was already believed to be dead anyway has been Mm -hmm. sentenced to death uh gojo has been labeled a traitor and sentenced to death who we haven't even talked about because the motherfucker spent the whole core in a fucking cube Yep. After going on an absolute tear inside the train station, let's not even take that for account of just how overpowered this motherfucker is and why he had to be locked in a cube, because otherwise that whole situation would have been dealt with completely differently. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So he's now in a prison dimension. Um, for... That he cannot escape from. Yeah. So that, yeah, so that whole thing was uh, interesting. So, yeah, he's been labeled a traitor and sentenced to death. And Yuji has been sentenced to death. And someone who we thought was our boy, but is no longer our boy, um, Yuta from JJK Zero, has been tasked with being his executioner. 
Mm-hmm. And Yuta has a vendetta against Yuji because Sukuna cut off Inumaki's arms mm-hmm. in Shibuya. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The, like you said, the whole the whole landscape of Jujutsu Kaisen has changed. Yeah. And I am incredibly excited for what's to come because I want to know what's coming next. But also, oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Yes. Although I I will say the JJK fandom has become just as bad as the Attack on Titan fandom with posting spoilers literally mm-hmm. fucking everywhere from the manga. So, I think JJK drops on Tuesdays. Tuesdays or Thursdays. The manga drops on one of those days. Stay away from social media on those days because you will have shit spoiled for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah just, just go a little in, post note. Go into your blocked words. Just put Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, anything to do with any of these character names. You'll never see yep. a Megamin on your screen again. <laughs> like, <laughs> because... Block them all. Yeah, I've had, like, I've seen some spoilers that I've quickly scrolled away from, so I don't know what I have and have not processed, but stay away. Mm-hmm. Or keep yourself up to date. Read the manga. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll get there. I've got 11 volumes. Probably not caught up to, uh, I don't even know if that's through the Shibuya incident, if I'm being completely honest. But hey, you know what? It's fine. We'll get there eventually. I, I want to get caught up on the manga. I want to see it animated because those fight scenes are so good, but I'd, I'll i probably read the manga. It'll be fine. Yes. We'll see. Yes. With animators that have had proper sleep. <laughs> yes. Please get them sleep. Push it back till 2025. I will wait. I'm If I can wait until 2025 for GTA 6, I will gladly wait for yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen for the same year. <laughs> I want them having a two-day weekend. Okay. They, yep. they get proper eight to nine hours of rest. They get to see their family and friends. Uh, they get to eat food whenever they want to eat food. They have breaks to do so. Uh, they can fucking walk, get up and walk around their office when they need to stretch their legs. Okay, these are the requirements that we ask for for our animators. Thank you very much. Yep. A coffee machine that functions and tastes nice. Both. Yeah, MAPPA should no longer be a meme moving forward. They should just be great. They should be a MAPPA of how to function. <laughs> they should pave the way with their MAPPA of guidance. Welcome to 2024, everyone. <laughs> 2024, same old us. They should have some Jujutsu Kaisen areas for their employees to chill out in. I, You know what? I'm just going to come pass on all of this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just scroll right on by everything that's happening. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, we saved it for the end of the episode, though, so I'm proud of us for holding off that long for puns and shenanigans. An hour 45 is my limit. Then I have to pun. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was going to say, not that this episode wasn't just pure shenanigans and we didn't get into the topic until well after the hour. Was. I was going to say, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Here's a two-hour episode. Enjoy your first. Yeah, what a, what a great way to welcome back the podcast. I am Not every episode is going to be this long. We... <laughs> we, we I don't know if we promise or we refuse, but one of them. <laughs> Something will happen. Episodes will get shorter. We used to have episodes this long. We don't anymore for a reason. Yeah, we had a lot to talk about. We're vain and we like to talk about ourselves. That's why we oh probably God. think this song is about us because we're yeah. so vain. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, let's fuck off. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you give it? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we have to do that bit. Um, Hey, we gotta be good for the spreadsheet. I'm docking one point for the animators, and I'm docking another point for the fucking weirdo, creepy kid-sister relationship situation. So it gets an 8 out of 10. I'm docking half a point for the weird relationship, and half a point for the animators. So 9. 9 out of 10. Which puts us dead on average with everybody else giving it uh, uh, 8.5. Actually, we're a little bit below it. Uh, a little bit below average but you know what it's, it's fine five out of ten on average yeah but, but you know what it's I'm okay we're here bitch, so <laughs> it's fine oh so thank you all so much for listening welcome to 2024 more shenanigans are to come i don't know what we're gonna do next week because we'll talk about it but uh yeah, socials, BNB Anime, Blues Lavenders, Brad Garen VO, or Brad Carter Gaming, wherever you can find us, and bnbanime.com and YouTube. Uh, and we're all that going shit's to Japan coming. this year, so... Yeah, yay. we, we got to start planning that, too, and we that's going to lead to a whole other host of content to come. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>